So I wanted a good weekend for a change. I wanted the nice break. Uh, I had very minimal work schedule. I was like, oh, I can watch a couple films. I can enjoy some food and some some laid back time. And then I spent the majority of yesterday trying to mop up floors and oh, catch man. catch drips from ceilings and close off uh, tiny little fractures in a pump. It was misting and it misted all night. And then that woke me up to a flood in the morning. Is it in a in a like a living space? Is it in the kitchen or where is it? It's leaking into the sitting room. Oh, nightmare. Nightmare. So, yeah, so there was a misting of a cupboard upstairs that then leaked through the through the light fittings into the sitting oh, room. So it's kinda of scary. I woke, I got up in the morning, went to feed uh Zelda and their student a puddle. And I was like, oh, ah, my. there is a problem. I notice with my keen senses that there is a problem in my abode. Do you know what? Just that whole setup reminded me of early January where I'd set aside an entire Saturday to just do me stuff and during the course of said day fell for a virgin scam and spent spent the following five hours attempting to undo slash fix the whole thing. That's the that's the worst feeling. I know there's there's some bad feelings out there, but that's one of the worst ones. When you deliberately set aside recovery time for self care and then it just gets interrupted by a disaster. It's the worst. (laughs) And I'm feeling rough. But hey, I think I've covered up enough of that and I've got at least the rest of today to enjoy. Well, exactly. And also you've got the fact that today is episode oh, 250. Can't of, believe it. Of Seesaw Parade, which is genuinely unbelievable. We have made Huge. a quarter century's worth of episodes. Mad. Do you know what, James? What? We, we have actually, I'm going to give you a list of, of just a few shows that we now have more episodes than. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. We have more episodes than Friends. Can't believe it. Than X-Files. What on earth? And Baywatch. hey However. And we're probably actually higher quality than Baywatch. That, uh, less slow motion running and uh, my... I've yet to have any breast surgery, but give it time. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. my pecs are still not quite at the, the level I want to be. But the uh, in terms of shows we are yet to reach, okay. Happy Days yeah, is in the... That's fair. It is coming up. Big Bang Theory, I'm sure we will catch that by the end of the year. Yeah, we might be funnier than that. And and also, and we're certainly funnier than this one, The Riverside Show. We are catching up <laughs> on the total episodes of The Riverside wow. Show. Which, uh, yeah, it is, yeah. I, I would argue, the biggest milestone of them, of them all. That could be it, yeah. We'll overtake, we'll be the new... Uh, foundation of a show for the for the area. I do wonder how many people are now going to have to stop and Google the Riverside show as if they've missed out on some cultural phenomenon, which I would argue they have. Know, yeah, they have a wee bit, but mostly in terms of just being impressed at the cringe. <laughs> it's true. The amount of things I watch back and will often reflect on with uh, my my old cameraman buddy Murray Wilson. Yeah, the things that we would shoot and the things we did live, and we thought. How did that actually make TV? Uh, and did anyone watch it? What, was anybody watching it? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But we we did it anyway. Yeah. Although, like, a monument of cringe is pretty much most of our podcast, too. True, but in this podcast, we're not, for example, promoting a medieval jousting festival no, no. by putting on knight's armour at Linlithgow Castle and then running about on a wooden stick, pretending it's a horse. Oh, 
We oh, we, aired, yeah. we aired I, that. I think I recall that. Yeah, I think I remember that. It's like a, it's like a YouTube skit. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I I tweeted it. Yeah. When the the channel was getting shut down with the the caption, I'm pretty sure this is when the bosses decided they had to pull the plug on this show. <laughs> and I'm genuinely convinced that had a part to play in it. Probably. When they thought this is what we are spending our money on. Yeah, we're spending our money on some people's YouTube fantasies. Uh, and then they chucked me. They they chucked me over to news. Get it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's hope that this this show does not meet a similar demise. But thankfully, uh, SoundCloud do not have a say. Yeah, we've got zero funding. Is the good part. We don't have to be embarrassed because we've spent <laughs> or only our own money. Yeah, I, I would say that the people who are actually benefiting from this in terms of financial gain is is Cineworld over the years. Oh man, yeah, yeah, and probably. Uh, a lot of coffee companies. I'm actually. I'm. I've got a, a beverage now, and maybe some Brewdog and Innocent Gun along the way. Yes. Yeah. All the all the things that keep us afloat mentally. Yeah. We we will get to some of your uh, contributions later on. Some of you have been in touch uh, to discuss the the 250 milestone. But I am aware that some people are actually listening to the show for the first time. I had someone last week. No. Who who admitted he was listening to the show for the first time. Never. Uh, which I was. I think he was a little bit embarrassed about it because we've been friends for like seven. He actually used to live with me, Tom Robertson. It is embarrassing to listen to the podcast. Yes, <laughs> it is. And do you know what's even worse is listening back to the first episode, which unbelievably somebody did. Somebody has done. No, it's because we keep <laughs> mentioning it. <laughs> and re- reviewed it. So, dear listener, if you would, uh, and this is of course cease operate. I'm Colin, and he is 250 James. Wow, I, I, I'm worth that many. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness, so special. And uh, this is the longest running season one of any Scottish entertainment slash news, maybe politics focused yep. these days podcast. And thank you very much for listening. We are less popular than fascism, but provably more popular than Jada Franson. Oh yeah. Which we will talk about. Yeah, we're more popular than one specific branch of fascism. We are we are more popular than one far right figure slash convicted racist. Which I mean if that's I not a flag it. to fly, I don't know what is. We we made it. <laughs> we have made it. Get it on the Wikipedia page. And if you would uh I'll give it time, I'll make one. It if you would like rejected. to get in touch with the show. Here, I think we could we could probably find enough sources to cite on the page to make it happen. I, I'm sure I will have mentioned it in some banal, awful online interview somewhere. You know, I we even got we even got a shout out on the BBC on BBC Radio uh BBC Radio Nangale like two years ago. This is true. I just feel I just feel like there are more significant things on the internet that do not have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> that's that's true. So there's no way we can get one. Does uh, Johnny Boy have a Wikipedia yet? I don't. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Does he count as a significant I think person? I, there are some. There are some bigger streamers that I remember the moments that they got theirs, and he is definitely more significant than our little podcast. Okay. Okay. Well, let's not make his ego or nose any bigger than it already is. He doesn't listen. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, <laughs> I was going to be very rude, but let's not. Is let's celebrate two fifty. Uh, before we crack on, there's a lot, James, to to discuss. Uh, of course, we picked a, a great time to do the the episode because due to the uh, the time I was away, I went up to, to Ben Nevis over the last few days for Graham's birthday. It was lovely. Mm, mm-hmm. A lot has actually happened. The birthdays. There's There's been a lot of news happening. There, there's been, I'm going to say, once again, too much news. <laughs> too much news. I would agree. But we've got to... It's been too much to bear. It's not going to discuss itself, so let's crack on. But dear listener, if you would like to contribute or disagree or discuss anything 
on this show you can do at Operate on Twitter or as some of you have done, email ceaseoperate at gmail.com. Uh, James, we'll save the uh, the eulogies for 250 till the very end. Okay, okay. But okay. let's crack on, shall we? We shall. Uh, talk about the week in which Glasgow demonstrated it is a great city and also a city full of stupid, stupid people. <laughs> Right, James, this is the, the news we'll start, which is that Glasgow is remaining mm-hmm. on level three restrictions, at least for a week, but I could argue with certainty yeah. it will be longer than that. <laughs> Probably going to be longer than a week. Yeah. yeah. I agree. After cases rose significantly in the last uh, seven days, the latest average, which is uh, just come out on Sunday afternoon, is 94.5 cases per 100,000, and that, of course, is well That's above- big number the level two benchmark of 50. East Wren has also jumped up to 75. Murray, which is also staying in level three, is uh, is also still above 50, but it is going down. Uh, But the rest of Scotland is going down to level two as of Monday. All right. Whereas Glasgow is staying where it is. And having seen, James, the way that these case numbers rise and fall, this isn't going to get better over seven days. If anything, it's going to get worse. Considering the events that have taken place over the past few days, I feel like next week we're going to see a, another increase rather than a plateau. Yeah. So this means that if you're in a level two region, which is uh, everywhere other than Glasgow and Murray, mm-hmm. you can go inside wow. and have a drink until, I believe, half past ten. Yes, which is when coronavirus wakes up. It is. At that point, it comes out and, yes. you know, you've got to get to your beds. Yes. Uh, and the other aspect is that you can go to other people's houses, which I believe is three people or maybe six people from three different households, which was slightly higher than people were anticipating. Yeah. And yeah, I am interested to see how that pans out. Now, there's a couple of, uh, as you say, a couple of bigger stories in Glasgow over the last few days, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, if you're living in the islands, which I know some of our listeners are, you are going to Hello, level... island listeners. Level one. Congrats. You uh, lucky, lucky people, which is essentially as normal as life has been for the last... 18 months, so there will be still some restrictions in place, yeah. uh, but essentially for people in the likes of Orkney and Lewis, uh, you can just kind of go back to some sort of, air quotes, yeah. normality. You all be good guinea pigs for us, please. Make sure that you don't fail this uh, this big test. Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the, the vaccine's efficacy against the current strain of the month, which is the Indian oh, one. The... The Boris strain. The Boris strain. In just a second, let's talk Glasgow in the last few days. We're going to start with the worst of the two stories because this one okay, okay. is a, a case of deja vu and a case of I am incredibly angry, uh-huh. as I'm sure many other Glaswegians are, yes. with what has unfolded over the last 24 hours. So, the latest news is that Police Scotland has said many more arrests will follow after what they called disgraceful scenes in the city centre as thousands of Rangers fans Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. celebrated the fact that their team won. Their team won the league. Yeah, they won the league a couple of weeks ago. It it was over a month ago. (laughs) 
And uh, they did the whole celebration <laughs> thing in George Square. They broke several yeah. benches. Indeed, memorial benches, to be specific. Indeed, they did. Despite the fact that apparently the Rangers fans care very, very deeply about these things. Yes, benches, memorials and statues. They love them unless it's their celebrations, in which case they're all like public urinals or things to smash. Oh, of course. And um, we saw this yesterday. Yes. So so despite the fact, as you say, the, the league title in which uh, their team did well and won the league for the first time in a decade. They didn't get beaten. They didn't, no. Wow, well done. There's not a single other decent team in Scotland. Unreal. And despite the fact that uh, the Scottish government were putting out the strongly worded tweets and uh, (laughs) Rangers said, hey, you should be safe and sensible, Mm -hmm. that clearly was not enough to deter thousands of idiots from descending on the, uh, the city centre, which eventually led to uh, flares, fireworks being set off. Missiles were then thrown at the police officers who were uh, being instructed to move people on. Yes. Uh, 20 people have been arrested so far. Three officers injured, one seriously. Oof. And the images, the pictures from George Square were horrendous. They were all over social media, uh, particularly Twitter, but it was the mess, the carnage that was left. People were fighting. There was a story of a man who turned up to the Royal Infirmary A&E in Glasgow with half his hand missing oh. after a firework exploded in his hand oh. during uh, oh, no. during this oh. celebration at George Square. I had, not, I had not heard that. I had not heard that. I've got empathy pain. And then the... Ah. But also, why are you holding fireworks, you idiot? I mean, yeah, that part too. Followed up by... A, other images of fans fighting one another in George Square and other people urinating, defecating in various corners of the city centre. Now, by Sunday morning, bad, yeah. the rubbish had been cleaned up. The, the fact that the, the cleaners managed to essentially get restore order and get it back to some sense of normality is... Is to be applauded. However, yeah, I, I want to see that. I want to see that 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 grift applied citywide. Like, come indeed. on, they, they can clean up in a hurry. Do it all over the place. I'll pay. I'll pay extra tax. Do it. Let's talk about though the fact that this happened. We've had First Minister Nicola Sturgeon come out to condemn this. Hamza Youssef. We have uh, senior figures within the police. Rangers are yet to say anything. Yeah, uh, but James. As you can imagine, considering the fact that we have known for a couple of days now that Glasgow is staying in level three and the fact that fans were told not to do this, they did it anyway. So my first question is, Uh is there anything that could have been done to prevent this, considering we saw almost an exact replica of what we saw on Saturday a month Mm. ago when Rangers first won the title? There could have been things that made it less intense enacted in in a month a month is a short amount of time to change a culture and for the this group of people um it is more of a cultural problem and i'm not trying to dismiss it and say that hey they've all got a problem in their brains this is something that is uh that has happened due to decades of uh yep. manipulation and and, in, and inequality um so in a month maybe we could have seen rangers like given uh, some kind of uh, stadium ban to more people who were in, in the initial problem, and that might have dissuaded others from joining in the second time. Um, they could have maybe been celebrating the win for the past month, uh, even though the league wasn't done, just to like make them all feel like they've already finished celebrating, you know? Um, but th- this is a m- far deeper problem than one month's worth of work. A far deeper problem than than chucking out a few bands to some fans and stuff like that. This is a system problem. 
Um, and yep, it's one group of football fans in particular um, who are doing things far beyond any other group of football fans, even their rivals in the old firm do. Um, and it is based around hatred and it is based around bigotry. And those problems don't get tackled in a month. They don't get tackled with a little bit of money. They get yeah. tackled with a lot of effort and a lot of collaboration. Um, and it's time to start doing that. Seriously. Because this is embarrassing yeah. for everybody. It, it is, it is. I, I don't expect anything will change, though. And this is a, a recurring theme of issues we discuss in this show, is that yeah. the issues remain alive and well. And if anything, it takes decades yes. for things to change, for opinions to change. But what was being seen on social media yesterday, a couple of points I want to raise. First of all, the frustration and the anger of hundreds of thousands of people across, well, millions of people across Scotland who are waiting to be you know, reunited with family or to go out and actually have like a normal meal again to see all these other people. Yeah, or to celebrate something small. Exactly. Completely disregarding all that out of selfish interest to celebrate their team winning. Somebody else winning, yeah. Okay, that's the first point. The second point is the videos I was seeing of people singing sectarian songs... The bigotry is disgusting. Techno remixes of anti-Catholic hatred and prejudice. Yes, is disgusting, and also the fact that. And, and sorry, the final point. In amongst all these thousands of people were kids. Yeah, exactly. Or young young lads, basically young teenagers, who are now being indoctrinated in this, you know, th- theology or philosophy. Well, it's, I should a, it's, say. A, it's a hate cult. This element of Rangers support is a hatred cult. Uh, and I see a lot of the rhetoric tries to balance it as if like both sides are bad. Well, Celtic fans say sectarian things about Rangers fans too. It's not really comparable because anything that is being said uh, that is against <laughs> bigotry is less bad than just straight up bigotry. Um, Sure, there's problems in almost every football team, but this is a football team who's got a major problem on a part of their founding culture yep. uh, with direct bigotry. And I think using terms like sectarianism kind of makes it feel safer than it really is. It kind of polishes it a wee bit and makes yeah, it feel I, like I get that. there's two sides to the problem. I think a big thing that needs to be done is just labeling it as it is. It is hatred and bigotry. It is anti-Catholic bigotry. It's not pro-anything. It's not for anything. It's not pro the Rangers team or anything. It is anti-Catholic and it's and it's and it's bigoted. Yeah. Um. So we need to stop trying to hand wave it. And this is the media. This is us. This is every individual. Stop trying to put put all the blame on both sides when one side carries more than the other could possibly do, even if they ramped up what they're doing. So yeah, uh, the, the it's a big problem. And as you say, the kids are getting indoctrinated into it via them making it fun and engaging and making it modern with right. techno versions of the tracks. It's it's actually yep. a huge problem. We need to tackle, and this is from government level right down to council level, right down to football team level. Every single one of these institutions can do more than they are doing. To me, it's a question of, I don't know how you deal with something like this because you know fans aren't allowed in stadiums right now anyway. Yeah. And... In future, you know, there will always be a winner every single season. What is there to dissuade people from doing this again uh, in, in future? Because if anything, the sort of backlash we've been seeing, particularly when a large proportion of Rangers fans are, in, I would say, are 
overwhelmingly pro-union. Yeah. As soon as they hear Nicola Sturgeon or Hamza Youssef mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. out and and condemning them, it's actually just going to embolden them in future. Yeah. So so that to me is one one stem of this, because yeah, you you can't censure the fans, and even though there are hundreds of thousands of Rangers fans who are disgusted at what they saw. More, more, As I more that are disgusted than those that partake, I am sure. Uh, but there are people who could actually have come out and said something and have stayed silent. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is, is and we, you know, we're seeing this in a much bigger scale with uh, Israel and Palestine. People who have platforms yeah, they don't use and them. should be using them, but instead are staying silent yeah. because they fear, I don't know, losing their popularity or, or you know, stop getting asked to football club related events because of one particular tweet they put out so to me it's it requires people to be far bolder than they have been yeah and also just on the the anti-catholic bigotry uh, the actual hatred of catholics the one a girl i know who is who would have been at george square yesterday were it not for the fact she works in spain told me a few years ago right that if there was a catholic person on fire in front of her she would not she would not do anything she would let them burn that was that is her words absolutely disgusting but that is something which yeah. she was taught she was that's what you hear essentially her whole life was told these things that catholics are subhuman mm-hmm. or deserve to be murdered or killed or, or, or whatever that is and that is mm-hmm. something which mm-hmm. you don't you, you don't just pick that up that is something that is yeah th- threaded throughout the culture of certain aspects of football in Scotland. Yeah, and beyond football, whatever political alliances and stuff. Uh, yeah, indeed, and indeed, indeed. There is stuff we can do, and it, a big part of it is not to blame the individual. I mean, the police can do that if they want. The police can arrest an individual but, yeah, if they please. But they've got to take some responsibility. Indeed, that's what we're saying. That's the responsibility is for their actions. But we don't blame somebody for being brought up in a cult. We try to get them out of the cult. Right. And it's the same with this. It is just a cult. And it is a generations and decades long cult. It's gonna and centuries on. Like it's gonna take a lot of effort to de-radicalize these people and to de-radicalize this part of the support. But it needs to be done, and that can be, as you say, through big names removing their interaction with the club, and just stopping promoting the club. That can be through legislation that bans specific groups who perpetuate the hatred. Uh, or disallowing the gatherings of groups who perpetuate the hatred. Um, when th- when perpetuation of hatred leads to violence and damage and danger, there is far more that, than, that can be done than we are seeing in Glasgow, where sectarian hate is celebrated and tolerated by people in power. Okay, well, I am really interested to hear if other people have a view on this, so please do let us know. Uh, CeaseOperate on Twitter or CeaseOperate at gmail.com. Boris Boris won't do anything because they support him. Well, indeed. Let's move on then to talk about the nicer aspect of Glasgow in the news this week. This was the story that uh, protesters in the city successfully forced the Home Office to release two men they detained in a dawn raid. So this was in Kenmuir Street in the south side where in the early hours of, I want to say, Thursday morning, we had a couple of immigration uh, enforcement vans turn up and take two men of of Sikh, uh, I want to say Sikh, perhaps Indian men, 
into these vans. And as the, the morning went on, hundreds of people, protesters and local people, just their neighbours. Neighbours, yeah. Essentially gathered on the street to demand... Block the van, block yeah, the street. D- demand their removal. So one chap put himself underneath the van so he couldn't go, on, uh, couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, after several hours, uh, the lawyer, Amr Anwar, showed up. And after, I want to say it was maybe seven hours, the police superintendent, Mark Sutherland, decided that actually it would make more sense for keeping all his officers safe and also for getting the crowd to disperse yes. if we let these two men go. So after seven or so hours in that van, yes. the two of them were released. And there was a, a video going around on social media, which was really lovely, of uh, the two men being released to applause and, and then one of the men mm-hmm. waves into the crowd. Really, really, really great stuff. And to me, there's a few aspects to discuss here. But James, just give me your thoughts on what went down in terms of the fact that the Home Office took part in this raid on uh, Eid, which was the end of Ramadan for the Muslim-centric community in the south side of Glasgow. I feel like the timing of it cannot have been anything but deliberate. You do not make that kind of a mistake. I agree. Um, That feels like an action that somebody high up on the ladder decided needed to happen. And there may have been protests from people further down the ladder, but what can you do? That feels like dirt to me. And the whole situation does. It would have been dirt any day of the week to me as somebody who supports immigration uh, of all kinds. Um, The hostile environment that is being spewed out from the home office to immigrants of any kind um, is awful. And this is one example of it being overcome for now. I don't know what could the, the long-term effect of this is going to be, but at least they're not going to be housed in some ratty, undersized and uncared-for environment. Because, um, again, Home Office, they want to make things as awful for immigrants as they can, so they're more likely to agree to leave. Yeah. The, the encouraging part for me, not just the show of community and, and neighborliness and also protest, which are all important things, the encouraging thing for me is that it is now kicking up a fuss way up the hierarchy. So we're having um, the Scottish government demanding almost um, the right for our own control over immigration, asylum, visa issuing and things like that, which would be so good for Scotland as a population that is stagnant, as a population that isn't growing. Immigration is vital. So having control over it ourselves instead of via some... A way backwards thinking London office would be wonderful. Let me play devil's advocate because I saw this argument being put forward uh, mainly throughout the weekend because of the scenes at George Square. Some Rangers fans were saying, ah, so why? <laughs> the co- yeah, the why can we? Yeah. Why is the uh, the protest <laughs> of uh, two immigrants in the South Side okay, but thousands yes. of people gathering in George Square well, is not? So answer me that, Jimbo. Well, we've we've got a right to protest um, that supersedes a lot of things, including maybe mandates for gathering at a distance uh okay maybe they could have effectively protested at with a grid formation with six feet between them all but that's hard to organize we do not have a right to riot in celebration over a sports team yeah so it's just basic hierarchy of things that are important celebrating over sports doesn't matter It really doesn't. And I celebrate over things that don't matter. It's fun to celebrate over things that don't matter. It feels really good to celebrate over things that don't matter 
but it doesn't matter ultimately. Whereas this, it was a vital protest um, for the community and the people surrounding it. And it, that, that right that they have to protest an action that they do not think represents them in this democracy is important, unlike sports, which doesn't matter at all. Indeed. I also don't think it was a coincidence that the UK's border authority decided to move into this property in the First Minister's constituency no. on the day that the new MSPs were sworn in at no, the Scottish it Parliament. It, there has to be gears at work there. It is far too much coincidence all at once. What, is, like, what does this say? Sorry, just paint us a big picture here. What does this say for the strength of feeling in you know, particularly the south side of Glasgow, which is a I would say a far more diverse place than, for example, Crookston or, or, or Deniston. Yeah, other specific areas. It's, I think it's an indicator that it is not a universal truth, as some people would have us all believe, that diversity leads to a death of community spirit yep. and that diversity leads to a death of neighbourliness. Of course it doesn't. Everybody is human. It is entirely racist to suggest that it might. Um and this is just the evidence of it, because I don't think it would have mattered who or what race the people were or what belief they were if they were getting unfairly removed from their homes. It is a sign that the neighbours would have protested no matter who it was, in my opinion. And I hope that that can be reflected in many areas across uh, Scotland and the UK, um, even if it's not universal, which we know it isn't. Um, but it is a clear indication that um, community and culture thrives in diversity, not is squashed by it. Yeah, but before we talk about uh, Boris and the UK generally, I, I want to make a point here just about diversity. You actually jog my memory. We did a uh, an interview slash webinar with uh, Mavis Anagbozo. You can look up who has this most remarkable story. Who moved to the the UK twenty odd years ago. Her name is Toju. But mm. she never, despite the fact she applied for dozens and dozens of jobs, did not get a single interview ah, yeah. because her name was Toju. And one of her friends said, hey, mm-hmm. use your middle name, Mavis, which is much more English sounding right. and you're much more likely to get a job. And of course, she then did and she's gone on to do really great things. But she had this excellent piece of advice, which was really challenging, which was consider your 10 closest friends. How many of them mm-hmm. look the same as you, have the same beliefs? Share the same values and ask yourself, okay, with, if that's the people you're surrounding yourself with, that's likely to be your worldview because that's the only experience you have. Yeah. So her challenge was essentially find people who don't like look like you, who don't have the same beliefs, who are different, and your understanding yes. of humanity as a whole will be improved as a result. Yeah. And it's it's... It's absolutely true. No, that that's huge. Yeah, and it's 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 challenging to do, possibly in in countries like ours where there isn't a, a incredible amount of diversity. Yeah. Um. But hey, the internet exists. You can connect with any community you want to if you just put in the grind and you try hard and you and you be a real human being. So it might it's think it might be hard to find that connection in real life. But hey, it is easy to do when you just expand your horizons a little bit. So that's a, it's a super cool point, and I love it. And the the the, the using of the middle name is is also a huge deal in countries like ours, where yeah. we suppress culture and we suppress other races just via these seemingly small things like 
pronunciation of names, what hair is deemed to be professional and what kind of style of clothes is deemed to be professional and all these things. And it, considering all of that is, is very important if we want to understand why maybe there is a subtle dominance hierarchy um, in, in different countries. Yeah, and ultimately, the story at Kenmuir Street was one-off community yeah. taking and humanity taking precedence over yeah. rules, over over what the government said. It was no, these people are our neighbours. Let them go. Yeah. it's also Eid. Yeah, have some have some compassion for goodness' sake. But that apparently uh, is less important these days. For, for people in power, yes. For the corruption that leads the nation of uh, the UK, yes. But I've got this f- hope that this will be a, a point at which Scotland kind of anchors itself or drives itself forward from in terms of understanding the difficulties of uh, immigrants and minorities and that we can build from this rather than see it as like a one point in history where we won this one time. Yeah. I hope that we see this continue, this fight continue. Right. Well, we'll talk about the Scottish Parliament in just a second because we now indeed have the full results as opposed to when oh, we yeah. last recorded, which was three hours after they started counting. But before we get to that, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the UK as a whole. Yeah. The news today on Sunday afternoon is that scientists believe that the current COVID-19 vaccines do work against the Indian variant of the mm-hmm. virus. That is the uh, Health Secretary, Hat Mancock, who was speaking on the BBC this morning, who said that despite the fact the cases have tripled in England in the past week, uh. early data shows that the vaccines remain effective. And this is against the bigger picture of Boris saying that lockdown easing will continue as planned. Yes, despite- but the vaccine strategy is getting... Uh- Shuffled. Yeah, d- despite the fact that scientists have said, well, maybe let's not stick so rigidly to June yeah. 21st. So, yeah, that's like it's like putting dates on things is a, is a bad idea. Who knew? Yeah, data, not dates, Boris. Come on. So, <laughs> yeah, as you say, Boris is, uh, has suggested that the variant could pose disruption to this final stage of lockdown, but at the moment it's still on track. So, this uh, vaccine reorganization or this reshuffle is is an attempt to get people vaccinated in a second dose more quickly Mm -hmm. and people who are yet to have their first dose which i believe includes the two of us and other younger people yep to get that even sooner than we were meant to yeah now we are seeing currently in england and scotland first doses are like mid 50s and second doses are like 30 percent. so yeah yeah there's progress. Do you suspect or do you expect, I should say, Ooh. this will affect how England continue their easing of lockdown? Because to me, the June 21st date was always a bad idea. Yes. And I believe it may well, if the numbers continue to rise, which I suspect they will for the next seven days they at will. least, Yeah, it, it is going to really damage Boris's plan of yes. no rules no. by summer. Yes. No, this is another Boris blunder, wherein... As is being reported widely, he did not put India on the, the the red flag list when he should have. And there isn't actually a reason why. We've not been given a reason why India was was held further down when the likes of Pakistan was bumped up to the red. So, so this was, um, uh, just, just to give you the information, April 5th, 
India was recording in excess of 100,000 cases a day, yeah. and it was 18 days later when India was finally put on the red list. And they had a cases per 100,000 that was way higher than their neighbours who were put on the red list two weeks earlier. Um, so this yeah. inevitable, I am sure, delay of uh, lockdown easing is another blunder by the Tories, and I hope, I don't hope that we see the spike I think the spike's inevitable. And if there is this spike and if there is this increase, I hope that the Tories and Boris can put their pride aside and do what is right quickly for once, not two weeks late. Just just one time they can react ahead of the game. And I hope we finally see them do that with, with this inevitable uh, extending of lockdown and whatever new measures they're going to have to come up with. Because it's another scary variant. And for as long as the world fails to deal with this virus, we're going to have more and more of these. Did you see also, before we move on, Pretty Patel asking Matt Hancock, Hey, why didn't you use this PPE firm? They're run by my friend. Oh yeah, Pretty Patel also being revealed as somebody who is shilling their mates' firms and I know there was another instance reported of Hat Mancock uh, getting get, uh, doing dodgy deals to to uh, for an ex-MP I believe this time so, so for, for for Shitty Chattel it was asking hey why hasn't this firm been considered it then turned out that uh, yeah a, a, a person who ran the company described uh, Pretty on his LinkedIn as a very good friend <sighs> and following that a couple of months later the firm did indeed receive a 104 mm-hmm. million pound contract yes it's the, it's the same every week we, hear, we, we learn of more hundreds of millions of pounds worth of contracts being dished out to the, Tory friends and donors we're seeing, and MPs. Uh, sorry, we're jumping the gun, but we are not seeing anywhere any rejection of this government whatsoever, despite Indeed. the fact that there is openly yep. weekly stories of corruption within yep. this government. Open corruption. It genuinely makes me furious that people can't see this. It's just... They just don't care. The only shiny badge they have is that they bought a lot of vaccines pretty quick. This is the yeah. only thing. I genuinely struggle to think of more positives. There's, I guess, their response to Hong Kong has been kind of shiny. There's really not a lot. I don't think the Hong Kong thing matters to most voters. But, but genuinely, I, but, I I just believe the voters are, are totally apathetic. They're totally apathetic to, to what's going on in the government. Is is burnout to reality, and I, I heard I've had people argue that that surely there is like logic behind the voters' decisions, and surely they're basing their votes on evidence and facts. But that's just a a glittering golden picture of the human brain that doesn't exist. Human brains aren't logical, especially not on mass. They are prone to being misled and lied to, and this is another issue of. Voters across England, in this instance, which we'll move on to the Scottish vote in a bit, voters across England being misled into thinking that the 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 corruption, the cronyism, the uh, outright bullying, um, the 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 bad practices of the Tory Party don't matter because Labour would do worse. I guess, like they've been lied to. I don't even know what the lie is right now because maybe they're just being told to ignore it all. It is mad, but it's misled. It's not. It's not like they've got a reason to vote. It is just they've been misled, and it's again no individual voter is at fault here. This is a system problem, and I really hope it can be tackled. 
Okay, right. Well, let's seeing as we are talking about politics, let's talk about the Scottish election. The uh, results as follows: We have a pro-independence majority. The SNP won 64 seats, which was uh, just shy, yes. one short of a majority, but one more than it won last time. Mm, yeah, they almost did it. Huge deal. Like, I was not expecting it to be that close. So, uh, let's look at some of the other figures. We had a turnout of 63%, which is the highest ever for a, for a Scottish Parliament. Hey-o. We had a, a, a record number... In a pandemic. Indeed. A record number of women were elected, which, again, highest number in the history yeah, of the Scottish been Parliament. trending downwards for the past few elections, I believe. We had our first ever women of colour. We had two, one Mm -hmm. for the Conservatives and another for Labour. And also the first... Wait, no, women of colour is the SNP. Oh, sorry, SNP there. And uh, yes, it was the Labour... Pam's for Labour. Yes, she is. Yes, the first ever disabled uh, member of the Scottish Parliament who Who, was... Who had trouble getting into the the count, to the event. Indeed. If you saw that news, which is shameful for the, for the, uh, the hosts. Yeah, so she is the, uh, the first disabled member of the Scottish Parliament uh, for Labour, as you say there. And, uh, I mean, as much as that's a great thing, it's a, it's a real shame... It's a sign. <laughs> to sign it's a sign. ...that it's taken uh, 22 years of, of uh, Parliament in Scotland to actually get to those statistics. Yeah. There were no seats for the Alaba party. Uh, it's Alex Salmon, the former First Minister. He, of course, was... A lot of votes. ...wanting, he was pushing this super indie... Yeah. Uh, ...that they were going to get, and none for them. None for and them. And as mentioned at the start of the show, Jada Franson, the convicted racist, got a total of 46 votes, which in my eyes is 45 too many, considering she probably voted for herself. Yeah, I mean, and in my eyes, 45 people is actually barely barely one or two. Like, it's zero as far as I'm concerned, yeah, yeah. because the number of people that just spoil their ballot and vote at random, the number of people that are, again, just being misled into a racism cult, it is insignificant. It's a really good sign that the, vote, the voter count for her was so low. I've got a couple of points I want to make. The first one is more more broad right. about the fact that I, I do believe that whilst the SNP clear, I mean, this is the fourth consecutive win, they've been in power for oh, long over time. 13 years. Yes. But I believe that a huge proportion of the people voting SNP are voting because it's now a constitutional issue of we believe Scotland should be independent, therefore I'm voting SNP, There's a despite lot of that. the fact that there perhaps are more pressing issues. And I'll give you an example. Dundee as a microcosm, because mm-hmm. their MSP is Joe, Fitzpra- uh, Joe Fitzpatrick, yes. who was formerly the minister in charge of essentially reforming drug policy right. in Scotland. Right, He so was... Messed that one up. He was fired yeah. by Nicola Sturgeon because he was doing clearly such a terrible, terrible job. Yeah. Scotland, to remind you, have the worst... Uh, proportion of drug deaths yes. per head yes. anywhere in Europe. And Dundee is only second to Glasgow mm-hmm. in terms of, of drug deaths. Yeah. But at this election, Joe Fitzpatrick, after all the all that I mentioned, got re-elected with a bigger share of the vote yeah. than he had previously. Indeed. So that, to me, despite the fact that Dundee has massive issues... That was a reflection of the fact that I believe that city, which we saw in 2014 with the uh, the pro-independence vote, which was biggest in Dundee and Glasgow, are now voting based on the future of the union yeah. rather than 
hold on a second, what candidate would represent our city best and what Indeed. policies are going to really help the city of Dundee. Yeah. And I believe that's what we saw largely across the board. People voting SNP because they want a vote in future on independence rather than what policies are going to help here. Yeah, and the SNP are getting away with a lot of big errors because of that that significant proportion of the vote. I don't want to yeah. try and suggest that most of their votes are because of that. Overall, their policies are relatively good, probably stuff that people can support. Um, they seem reasonable. I don't like them. That's why I don't really vote for the SNP. Um, just to reveal my <laughs> reveal my cards here. Um, but we see it on the on like on the opposition too. We know for a fact that Scotland is just divided right down its heart, basically fifty fifty every single year for people who are pro and against even having an independence referendum. Never mind actual independence. So. We see bandwagoning to for, towards the SNP for the for the main votes on one side, and then bandwagoning towards the Conservatives on the other side, or Labour, depending on which is the strongest opposition for the SNP in whatever region. So, as much as the SNP benefit from it, so do the Tories, so do Labour. Almost every single vote in in Scotland has at least some backing behind it that is not that is not um, policy based, but is just independence based yeah and ultimately and we'll, t- we'll then move on to independence sturgeon in the aftermath of the vote told the prime minister boris johnson that a second referendum is a case of when not if yeah strong words and uh, indeed absolutely uh, miss sturgeon also said she did not expect the debate to end up in court and in an interview with uh, andrew marr Michael Gove made it clear that Scotland could still leave the UK if it so wished. And by the the sounds of things, it was almost a, yes, you can Mm. have this vote, but we don't want you to. Because ultimately, I don't Mm -hmm. believe Westminster... And I think that was against the party line, to be honest. Okay, okay. Well, I don't believe Westminster would stand in the way of a, uh, let's say, a bill to have a referendum, because... That would be standing in the way yeah. of democracy. This is it. If if Scotland wanted a referendum every five years in perpetuity, we can do that. That's how, yeah. that's how democracies work. I can't remember who it was who said it, but there was someone who tweeted, "Let's say a party was elected at the at Westminster, whose main policy was to have another Brexit referendum to undo it. You bet we'd be having that referendum because yeah. they're the ones who are in power. So therefore, they make the they make the call. So yeah. in the same way, I do believe that there will be a referendum." Again, and Sturgeon saying when, not if, is to me a step up in rhetoric because she and the party have been challenged or criticised, mainly internally, mm-hmm. for the fact that they've been talking about it for so long and are yet to, to give any sort of real definition. The closest we got to it most recently was after the pandemic. Yes, which now, is when valid. after the pandemic is, is anyone's guess. Within five years if we're lucky. I would agree. That that you know, if you were to have it in the next year, that to me is foolish, and I I don't think it will be that yeah. soon. And it, and it, it tackled it immediately tackled the the Boris and the Conservative line, where in their immediate response to the vote uh, results in Scotland was like, and we've got to focus on working together to recover from the pandemic. And then SNP were like, yes, and as soon as the pandemic's done. We're having the independence referendum, so it was just a, it was a yes and rather than a no, which makes it harder for the uh, conservatives to to shut down. Which is why we're maybe seeing their inability to have a united uh, message 
um, hearing the actual lines from the SNP. Okay, so do you suspect we'll see something or a date anytime soon, perhaps, you know, uh, this year? I hope, uh, A date as opposed to the referendum this year? I kind of hope, I hope we get a roadmap, maybe some suggested dates, like uh, maybe an inverse of like, not within, but like, after two years, we will do this. After three years, we'll do the same. Within the next four years, we will do right. this. Like maybe a vague roadmap is appropriate now. And then as the pandemic and as these things all are more controlled and managed, they can start mapping it out in more detail. And they absolutely should. There is there is a mandate for it um, on uh, <laughs> based on a, on a very fair, as far as I'm concerned, system of voting compared to what we're used to in the UK. Well, before before we move on, let's give a shout out to Wales. Oh, yeah. For doing their elections successfully. Labour almost getting a majority as well. Very similar picture. Um, and it turns out that um, the Labour Party can be successful, as they were in many right. mayoral campaigns. The, yeah, so, so it just probably can't be under Starmer with a <laughs> zero messaging platform. So, so Labour won 17 of the 19... Mayoral elections. So, so the uh, yeah. the candidates who are standing for mayors of cities, they won the overwhelming majority of them, and as you say, also won in the Welsh Parliament. What is going right yep. with Labour in those particular <laughs> areas? Maybe it's the fact that they actually campaign based on saying stuff and standing for stuff and having opinions and beliefs, and not just being not the Tories, which yep. is, I think, what Starmer was hoping for when the Tories are pretty popular right now, somehow, as we've established. Um, and in response, Starmer's uh, doing a cabinet reshuffle, a quick fire and rehire of a deputy leader, um, all sorts of things to pretend that it wasn't just his fault for being a complete slab of butter instead of anything interesting. Um <laughs> I mean, some slabs uh, maybe, of butter are, are interesting. I've never seen a slab of butter that's interesting. Maybe if you sculpt the butter... It depends how long it's been left outside for. Well, that might sculpt it, you see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe the Labour as a party, by and large, will learn that, you know, it's okay to have some non-centrist and left-leaning opinions yeah, so long yeah. as you actually campaign them, much like um, Corbyn very successfully did almost winning uh, the entirety of the UK for a very left uh, leader. Um, and the only reason he lost is because of Labour centrists. Let's put that one out there. Um, and to stop just being this flag-waving nothing party. But they then went on to hire a friend of Jeffrey Epstein, Mendelssohn, um, yep. and uh, he's immediately trying to suggest that the left and the the unions and all of these people are the problem, and I guess Labour might actually just go more centrist, and hey oh the Greens, there's space for you to become the second biggest party <laughs> in England. Okay. Right, let's let's move on, leave that behind, and talk yeah, about... Yeah, we'll talk about Labour in the future. Oh. They, they're going to be relevant in their general collapse for like the next five years. Indeed. Uh, the other story, which is dominating headlines, is the conflict between, or in Israel and, and Gaza. As of an hour ago, oh, yeah. another 42 Palestinians have been killed in the latest airstrikes, 10 of whom were children... Uh, 16 women. It's disgusting. Indeed, Israel's military said it had been targeting leaders and infrastructure linked to Hamas, which is... Yeah, I mean, 
you know what? They are giving us very detailed indications that they are doing facts-based strikes because they're doing such things as drawing a red outline around buildings to designate them as evil right. and saying intelligence of the Hamas is here. Yep. And it's really convincing stuff. This was after... It's close sarcasm. I should say on Friday, the, uh, the IDF bombed a refugee camp in Gaza... Uh, which left another 12 children yeah. dead, including, uh, I want to say, four other women. Since yeah. the uh, the bombardment began over a week ago, almost 200 people are, are have been killed in Gaza. At least a quarter of those are children under 12. Yeah. And uh, over 1,000 injuries, uh, 10 people have died in Israel. Yes. So this violence has, has flared up over the last week after... Weeks of, you could say, decades of increasing tension. Yeah, uh, between Israeli and, and since its very birth, indeed, right between Israel and Palestine in East Jerusalem, which which essentially started at the Alaska or Al Aqsa Mosque in East Jerusalem. Where, yeah, in this instance, yeah, if you saw soldiers approaching uh, this mosque, it began firing rubber bullets, like, smoke grenades, stun like grenades, flash bombing the place. It was disgusting. Yeah, no, great. And then we also had uh, videos of people going in the, I want to say it's the Sheikh Jarrah region of East Jerusalem and taking Palestinians from their home mm-hmm. and reclaiming it yes. for Israel. But that's quotes reclaiming what they're doing is evicting people who they see as subhuman. Right, correct. Yes. So this so this has been, uh, as I say, that started the mosque and then we had the videos of Israelis going house to house in Sheikh Jarrah, clearing yeah. the uh, Palestinians out. Yes. Uh, we had another couple of videos of, uh, particularly, now this one was being shared by, um, I want to say, pro-Israeli commentators in America. We'll talk mm-hmm, about this mm-hmm, in a second. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, here's a video of uh, the guard of a, a tower who's, re- who's receiving a call from Israeli military telling him that they're about to blow up his apartment block. And so it was seen as a, look, look what the Israeli military are doing. We're giving them a heads up. We're letting them know we're about to bomb and destroy their home. So look, it's fine. We're about to bomb where the civilians are. Please evacuate. We're going to post a tweet in English to tell you to evacuate your building. So, I mean, there are so many issues to discuss here. The first one I want to say is the narrative, which has been going on for years, which is that poor old Israel defending itself yeah, from yeah. The, the the terrible people of Palestine. And yep, there are there I'm sure there are terrible people in Palestine. Well, undoubtedly. That's kind of proven. This narrative which has been going on for years and we've talked about this before, anytime there was conflict in Gaza, it was always and continues to be continues to be, yeah. painted as oh, Israel is simply defending itself from these bad people. Yes. When if you look at if you look at what's actually happening and the the scores of children yeah. who are being killed yeah. by airstrikes in Gaza, and the fact that Palestinians are being essentially, as you say, pulled out of their houses, and the houses being given to Israelis instead. Yeah. Well, the land is this being is a- cleansed, right? Right. Yeah. They are doing an apartheid. They're doing a cleansing. They're doing all sorts of literal war crimes. Um, and the only reason that nothing can be done is because of a bunch of other states intervening. Oh, okay, um, so so on that point, America, and we've talked about this before, gives roughly $4 billion worth of financial aid to the Israeli, I want to say military, yeah. maybe government. And that's just America. Every year. Yeah. 
Okay, the Israeli military, and we've again talked about this before, are used as an example of here's how you do policing. Mm-hmm. And we we see uh, you have uh, the IDF forces are are flown all over the yeah. world to demonstrate how to do and these things. One of so the, so the response online, and from the likes of Joe Biden, who is yeah, I would say f- uh, maybe not fence sitting. Uh, I don't know. We'll get to that. He's sitting on the fence. He's doing classic Democrat sitting on the fence. But we have had everyone from Andrew Yang, who's the uh, Democrat. Want to say candidate for governor, mayor of New York, or something? That's the that's the one who again put out these completely tone deaf, terrible tweets yeah. uh, defending poor old Israel. We had Gal Gadot, yeah. Israeli actress, also doing the same thing, who clearly couldn't even bring herself to mention the word Palestine. No, and uh, dozens and dozens dozens of other high profile celebrities who have just put out the worst statements they possibly could have yes. and other people who just haven't said anything. So the narrative, I would say, is beginning is shift. to shift, but yeah. not really. There's a minor shift. And it's, a really, it's really surprising for me, looking back, how small the shift is. Because when Obama was the leader of the free people, Israel hated him. Netanyahu hated him. Yep. The, he, he invited himself to speak to Congress against Obama, basically. And still... Obama, the only thing he ever did was towards the end, he finally said one message that was like, hey, Israel, you're being bad. Biden continues this trend of being like, well, both sides need to seek peace. And it's like, well, yeah, both sides need to seek peace. But one of those sides is an internationally funded and recognized state with an air force and a navy and huge amounts of of, uh, self-defense and offense uh, offensive weapons. Correct. The other side has a bunch of like homemade rockets and maybe some extra ones that have been smuggled across the border with Egypt. It is mad. And when they paint this picture of like, well, Hamas have fired like 3,000 rockets into Israel. They forget to tell you that almost every single one of those is, is intercepted. There is very few casualties on the Israeli side. If you look historically even, there are still y- yep, few, yep. few casualties. And yes, there are terrorists uh, <laughs> retaliating against this Israeli occupation of, of, of uh, more and more and more land. That's what's going to happen <laughs> when you're being evicted from your homes and bombed en masse. It's, it's, it's what's going to happen yep. when there is cleansing. It's inevitable. They're doing things that are bad. Israel are doing things that are far worse. It's, like, it's similar to the to the bigotry talk we had earlier. Yeah. This yeah. is anti-Palestinian hate. Yep. The haters against anti-Palestinian hate, which is often in the forms of rockets, is obviously more justified because they are they are they are retaliating against hate. And I wouldn't do it. I hope I would never fire a, a rocket in like yeah. without a direct and only military target. But come on. Israel is saying we're bombing civilians because Hamas are using them as human shields. If Hamas are using civilians as human shields, do not bomb the civilians. At that point, you let the human shields exist and you take more direct measures than just indiscriminate bombing. They've bombed UN sites. They've bombed journalist buildings. It's it's insane. Yeah, they, they bombed the Associated Press and Al Jazeera office in Gaza, which... Is is awful. It's horrendous. And that's one of the ones we're talking about. Their tweet about that one, they just drew a red outline around the building and said, Hamas intelligence, 
arrow is a year. Oh, great proof. Thank you. Thank you for being great evidence of yourselves. And they just are feeding into the propaganda. They know that they do not need to provide any evidence publicly to rely on British media and American media to go, hey, they provided all the evidence they needed. So I mentioned, yeah, we talked about this earlier. You know, what's lacking here from basically anyone is compassion. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that children are being killed. Murdered. Murdered, absolutely, by Israeli airstrikes here. Yeah, by a world superpower. (laughs) They've got nukes. Yeah, Uh, Bezalel Smotrich, who's an Israeli politician, who openly on Twitter was calling for the destruction, the entire destruction of Gaza, in a since now deleted tweet. Oh, yeah. We've also had, as you say, James, most of the hot takes from people defending this is always... Well, yeah, but Palestine is sending these rockets back. Well, what do you like? What do you expect them to do? And also, Just... almost every single one is intercepted because Israel has world-class right. missile detection and defense systems. Like it is like firing a pistol uh, in the vague direction of a very distant elephant, right. <laughs> and maybe hitting it once out of every thousand shots. But precisely. And if someone was bombing my home. And ethnically cleansing yeah. my countrymen and women, you know, what response do I have? What's that going to cause? If anything, it's just going to cause anger yeah. and retaliation. It, it, and then that is painted as Israel's being attacked. We've got to show our support. We've got the right to defend ourselves by bombing them harder than they ever could possibly bomb us. And, and it's, a, it's a nation of leaders who are on the record for decades calling this people group inhuman, treating them as though they are animals to be wiped off the face of the earth. Yep. Their their public messaging on this has been disgraceful. I cannot imagine the kind of things that are said amongst these leaders behind closed doors. I'll recommend a podcast for anyone who wants to find out more. It's called This Is Palestine, and it documents essentially everything that's happened since 1948, which is the first recorded instance of the nation of Israel beginning to uh, essentially take land, people, stuff from the Palestinians and claiming it as their own, which has been going on since the 1950s. And and again, let's not just blame one leadership. Let's not just blame the capitalist interests of the US and UK. Let's also blame... Insane Christians who provide their support to these military operations and cleansing because they hope that Israel will unite the whole region so that the the world will end. Also true. There, There are people sending over the years millions and hundreds of millions from Christian backgrounds because they want apocalypse. And then, and then the same apolog- apologetics as well. Of like, well, God clearly wants this because He said in the Bible that Israel will unite. Uh, uh, what are you, a cult? No, like that is not okay. We do not dismiss the murder of a, of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people because maybe you can misinterpret some scripture to say that it's what your God wants. So, so what is the solution here? We, we've seen uh, various people call for, oh, we need to have discussions, we need to do this and, uh, and hash it all out. What actually happens here? Because to me, the only long-term end here is that Palestine as a people as a nation, is wiped out of existence. That is what the end goal is here. 
It seems to be the end game. Yeah. And the US is completely willing to sit and watch. Yes. And the UK is completely willing to sit and watch. And so many other world powers are willing to sit and watch. And yeah, sure. I'm sure Russia and China would, would sit and watch if the opposite was happening. But there can be a solution. And it requires communication. But the US doesn't let the communication even begin. They block UN meetings on the topic. Uh, anything that's tabled that might be um, anti-Israel or anti the current regime in Israel is blocked by the US. It requires fundamental changes top down in so many countries that there is almost nothing we can do but keep being angry until that change happens. It is, and, and, and even in the likes of the US and UK where people are tabling um, making it illegal or in some states it is already illegal to boycott Israeli-based companies, right? Th- that is canceling. That is cancel culture. That is that is uh, <laughs> cancel culture if there ever is such a thing. If you're not allowed to protest by boycott because you don't agree with a country uh, and a and a leadership uh, cl- cleansing the earth of a of a people group, uh, we're clearly too far gone to have any sort of uh, movement that we have any control over. We have to just cross our fingers and hope that the the message keeps slowly shifting. All right, James, let's change it up a notch and a classic seesaw parade handbrake turn and tone and talk about movies which seem awfully unimportant right now so yeah we've had a couple of trailers i want to talk about the first one is venom 2 my goodness that's not the name of it by the way sorry i'll, I'll rephrase venom, <laughs> venom 2. 2 my goodness might be a better name <laughs> honestly yes because this movie is called let there be carnage <laughs> yeah we'll talk I mean, about that in a second here's a trailer <laughs> I say either, you guys say either, I say neither, and I say neither, 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 let's call the whole thing off, ta-da, catch up, excuse me, yummy, do you know what, call this Venom 2, <sighs> that's what you should call it, because this trailer made me sad, honestly, <laughs> It is bad. It's objectively bad. Uh, yeah, it is. And, and it might be approaching... I mean, Venom. the first Venom was the same. It's approaching that level where I think they know it's bad and they're marketing it with that knowledge. Right. They don't think they've made something good. They think they've made something that can sell if they make it seem completely brainless and just pure entertaining. Right. But that, that, to me, is the only way that this film works. Because the first one and I I would love to dig out my old review because I'm sure I'd be equally scathing, was it attempted to be something serious but also being played for laughs and neither worked. It wasn't funny and it wasn't effective as a superhero film either. Yeah, they're they're PG-ifying an R-rated character again. Yeah, as we saw from the opening 30 seconds of this awful, awful trailer. Woody Harrelson plays Carnage. In the aforementioned title, Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, and Carnage is like the villain version of the anti-hero slash most of the time villain Venom. It's strange. It's strange. So, correct. So, so Tom Hardy, of course, playing uh, the eponymous Venom. Yes. Who, 
you know, look, if he's just getting paid and he's having a good time, fine. He's just getting paid to be sweaty in different places. And be moody as well. Yeah. But as you say, Venom himself is actually, if you recall, Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. a villain. Or in the, the comics, he's certainly an anti-hero. So what Carnage is, uh, I don't know, just a worse, he's a, he's a, a worse version? He's a, he's, a, he's, villain, he's a villain's villain, which often is a hero, but he's so bad it's even worse than a hero villain villain hero. Uh, and all we have is just Woody Harrelson in an ill-fitting wig trying to be he looked so strange trying to be creepy and I don't know sadistic or some sort of evil and all you get is just this ridiculous mess of CGI but also it's the fact that the title is what some sort of biblical play on comic book words so instead of you know let there be light it's let there be carnage like why don't you just call it carnage yeah it's they could have just called the film carnage would have made more sense and gotten away with it Okay. It's it's a, yeah. I'm not excited for it. I still haven't actually watched Venom. Don't. It is way further down the list than uh, than um, Justice League ever was, and I finally managed to got that to get that one done. So I don't think I go lower than that. Okay. Second trailer. This is the Green Knight, which was my goodness. Knight with a K, <sighs> which was uh, has been promoted for quite some time. The pandemic has uh, pretty. Kibosh on its release. Oh, we talked about this so long ago. We talked about this like I think I was a teenager. I'm certainly aged a lifetime, but they've released a full trailer. <laughs> Here it is. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? Or tale? Oh, greatest of kings, let one of your knights. Try to land a blow against me. Indulge me in this game. I will be deep. One year hence. Okay, James, I have my thoughts on this, so I would like to hear what you think. This uh, has Dev Patel in the leading role and a bunch of other people who you will have seen in other movies. Yeah. What do you think? If it wasn't... Any brand new story, I suggest that this trailer revealed too much, but because this story is just pretty well known and very, very old, I think this trailer did everything it needed to to establish that it's going to be worth seeing the film version of this well-known tale. It is so stylish. Okay. They have got a mood going on that impresses me. Yep. I am I am keen. Do you know what was was really interesting, before I get into my thoughts on the trailer itself, it was only in the opening, I'd say half a minute of this trailer, I realised, oh wait, I know this story. It's it's like a, a myth or a book. Yeah, from... this is an Arthur, Arthurian myth. myth mist. Right. An Arthurian mist. <laughs> yeah, from Arthurian, absolutely. Whereas when I first saw the teaser, I just thought, oh, it's another spoopy A24 movie. Right. No, I yeah, just, no, they've taken this straight out of the old English books. I thought this was like another Midsummer, Right. Or, her- or Hereditary. I didn't realise it was actually from the King Arthur era. But yes, the full trailer led me... Nice, so cool. ...made me realise that yes, indeed it is. And so I agree that unless you realise, as I soon did that this is actually a story the trailer does tell you what you know what's going to happen which yeah is is fine i guess because as you say the story is well established and we we kind of yeah. know the shame is that they give away maybe some of the visuals that i might have wanted to see for the first time on the proper screen you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay 
Well, let's move on. Time is uh, disappearing. Let's talk about the Golden Globes. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Yep. Costume design looks incredible. They're aiming for some awards, I hope. Oh, I'm sure. Um, overall, the cast looked looked great. And and once again, if you haven't seen this trailer, make sure you're in the mood for moodiness before you watch it, because it is it is a pretty pretty trailer. Absolutely. Okay, let's, uh, talking off awards, they will certainly not be going for the Golden Globes because that is currently in chaos. The body that runs it oh, yeah. uh, essentially has been told by NBC that they will not broadcast the ceremony. Uh, Tom Cruise has handed back his three Golden Globes in protest. Ooh. It's after essentially a, a report into the body which runs the Golden Globes, which is the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, yeah. does not have a single black member Wow! in its uh, entire organization. Wow. And, uh, yeah, there, there's a whole other host of issues, and that has led to Warner, Netflix, and Amazon also refusing to participate in any Globes-related events. Uh, and let me, sorry, I'll rephrase, the association's not had a, a single black member for the last two decades. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, the Golden ever. Globes body has, uh, they've published a timeline of reforms saying they want to implement transformational changes as quickly and as thoughtfully as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that has not stopped any of these uh, big names and actresses and actors saying, nope, time's up. You should have done this a long time ago. Yeah. See you later, Globes. So do you, do you think this, uh, this puts an end to what is often seen as the sort of slightly less glitzy more slapped together award ceremony pre-Oscars I mean I don't think it's going to completely die out They're, I think their rejuvenation will bring them like back into at least being somewhat acceptable but like awards in general are just becoming less and less relevant as time progresses this could just be an indication that even now n- no sorry now even the the Hollywoodist of Hollywood celebrities uh, values some actual ethics ahead of just like getting patted on the back, which is a step. But let's not praise Hollywood for m- many things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, the Golden Globes have always been a a little bit silly. No one really cares about them. They're the kind of thing though that you would get slapped on a DVD cover to try and sell more. Yeah, it's like a known One, name. At three least. Golden Globes. Yeah, so it's. I don't think the relevance is going to completely die, but. And this isn't just like a nail in the coffin, uh, but it certainly is at least an accelerant in their in their desire to reform. And if they do reform and manage to actually represent people and culture, and if they actually manage to represent, you know, the globe, then I, I might care about them a wee bit at some point in the distant future. Okay, let's uh, finish up with the review section of this show. If you have seen or finished a TV show, a movie, a book, or even a podcast, yeah, now is your time to shine. Right. So, James, we have a review of Seesaw Parade Episode 1. Unreal. And also... Your brave soul. Oh, absolutely. And because of the milestone we've reached, I decided to start a particularly well-known saga... Star Wars. Wow. So myself and uh, Graham watched episodes one and two, ah. which is the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s prequels, which I've never seen before. I have those to review. Have you anything to review? You know what? I thought that maybe I hadn't finished watching anything, but I did watch a film. Hey, what did you watch? I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Interesting. That's the Quentin Tarantino number from yeah. a couple of years ago. 
his like alternate history kind of uh, piece of that is just a celebration of film, and that's about all it is. <laughs> Okay, what did, what did you think? It did very well, from what I recall, during the award season. Yeah, I can see why it won awards. The, the acting's good. The, it is well shot. It's well edited. It tells a somewhat interesting story. It definitely is self-aggrandizing in terms of Tarantino and his works and Hollywood's works in general. Yep. Um, but it was overall, it was very meaningless. I, I, it just meant nothing. Um, so it lost a few points for meaning nothing, but I thought it was, it was, it had a lot of shining points and then it just had had an overhang of meaninglessness. What did you think of the final act of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It was to be expected. It's a Tarantino film. You know that eventually things are going to kick off and they had planted the pieces, I believe, obviously enough that you could tell who was going to kick things off and who was going to respond to it. Um, and I thought they executed it pretty well. I was feeling pain, um, but you know they set up those people as as worthy of the pain, I guess. Um, and I think it's an interesting thing to do to take a well known event in pretty recent history, as far as history is concerned, and do a what if, like what if? Okay. Th- this element of it changed. I like what if stories, and this is a little a little what if story, and then we get to imagine what all the characters moved on to next, which I like doing as well. Okay, well, let's move on to other reviews and also some chat about Seesaw Parade hitting the big 250 mark. Uh, Amel said that uh, she has a nice home gym set up in her and Johnny's garage, uh-huh, uh-huh. and she enjoys listening to the podcast when she works out there, and it makes her feel like she has gym, gym mates ah. who I get the bands with. That is the closest I will come to a gym, so thank you. I feel healthier for it. Hashtag happy 250th. Hashtag genuinely appreciate your podcast. Hashtag wow. you're not very good at spotting though, which I like. Thank you. I'm, I'm, appreciate the sen- the sentiment. <laughs> sorry that sorry that I've let you down. I hope you haven't hurt yourself with your weights. That's on me. Uh, indeed. And also, uh, Tom got in touch to say uh, that he was listening to the show for the very first time indeed. whilst he was doing the cleaning. Ah. And. Uh, he really enjoyed it. Politics, entertainment, general news discussions. Wow. Love it. Definitely a new listener here. Wow. Embarrassed I'd never listened before. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm still... My, my blushing continues. This is nice. Blushing intensifies. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, throw it back before I give you my reviews of uh, Star Wars <laughs> 1 and 2. Thank you very much to Ed ah. from the Tokyo Podcast, who has actually gone to all the trouble of listening <laughs> to the very first you made a mistake. published episode. Of Seesaw Parade. Yeah, you made a mistake. (laughs) That was a big, big error. (laughs) Okay, let's have a listen. Hi there, this is Ed Conroy from the Dokio podcast. Happy 250th episode, Colin and James. Well done. So, in light of that, I thought I would review your first ever episode of Seesaw Parade. Oh dear. So, your episode starts off with a lovely bluesy number and a short discussion on how you need a jingle. What happened to that bluesy number? I really liked it. You then move on to the 20th National Television Awards, which included awards for Celebrity Juice. Agree, Colin. Terrible show. Danny Dyer. He's almost as bad as Nick Cage. Oh, nice. And Graham Norton is, again, a bit boring. Totally agreed. And Lorraine Kelly. I've never been a fan. Prefer Lulu myself. (laughs) Moving on from that, you moved on to The Sun's Page 3. At the time you were talking, it had gone and come back. Ah. Uh, It's now gone for good. That's great. 
Uh, this conversation did go on for a bit, though. Anyway, you then spoke about Microsoft's HoloLens, which was new tech. We used to talk about it's tech. It's still around, apparently, still in development and still available. And then you spoke about 2015's week of chaos of snow and about Scott Rail not being able to run a bath. Turns out, six years later, they still can't. Hey. At this point, it seems like Colin forgot there was more to discuss because you wanted to round up the episode. But James said no. So now we talk about entertainment. We had Simon Pegg writing Star <laughs> Trek 3, which is one of the last films of Anton Yelchin, so that was sad. Mm -hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. Man. Still haven't seen that. Johnny Depp's Mordecai. Didn't see that either. No. Apparently, according to you, I wasn't missing much. Yeah, yeah. But I must have been hiding under a rock in 2015. And then it was back to Simon Pegg, who did a good job on Star Trek Beyond. And then to close the episode, you had a band from Celtic Connections, which I still need to get to. And that band, I didn't quite catch the name of them, but the song was fun. Ah. It was called I'm On My Way. So you seem to reference back to previous episodes a few times. And I suspect, therefore, this wasn't the first episode. But I do have one question, and that is, what happened to episode 25? <laughs> so on to the review part. I enjoyed this episode. You meandered a few times, but you generally stayed on track. Wow. Overall, I'd have given it five out of five. Mike, Keep up the good work, no James way. and Colin. Can't believe it. I, I'll be honest, five out of five is very generous. Generous, I mean, if, super generous. If episode one's a five out of five, what was this episode? Come on. No, yeah, no. This, your review made it sound like a two out of five at best, <laughs> but I'm glad that you rated it a five nonetheless. Yeah. I'm happy. I would be. I would have been pleased with a two. By by the way. Um, oh, easily. It's good to know that that the decision to start editing stuff was was a was a was a good decision. <laughs> do, do you know what really struck me, and I, I find this true of the show as it's evolved over the years. That 2015 episode sounded so light and fluffy. And so, and so short. Short. But also, you discussed the National Television Awards as the first story. Like, must have been Can't a quiet news week. Now look at us discussing international diplomacy and war crimes. My goodness. Yeah. And also Venom. That we've aged. Yeah, which probably is actually less good than the TV awards. Oh, I, I know, I know. It, it, it is genuinely a, a very nice milestone to get to. I, for one, am very surprised Mm. that uh, we have reached 2000. Like, genuinely, because there was, I would say, towards the end of my time at Radio Clyde, when life was less good, uh -huh. I was thinking, you know what, maybe I should maybe I should bring this it, little uh, ship into, into a berth. But actually, over particularly over the pandemic, as we've discussed, we finally got into a rhythm of doing this every week. And it has, it has actually been excellent to do that. Indeed. And I feel it, it, needed, it needed that, that sort of fresh impetus as opposed to, well, we'll see if we can do it once every three weeks. Yeah. And as we reflected before, I, I've certainly grown as a person over the, the 250 episodes that we've done, which is staggering. It's a lot of editing. It's a huge amount. A huge amount. You've done a lot of work to make this happen. I'm going to make it very clear once again that the calling carries this podcast oh you're now uh, i'm through a lot of effort and professionalism and i've i've been infected with the ability to express myself at least a little bit better than i initially was able to indeed but nonetheless this is a this is a call and carry <laughs> okay 
Well, you can... Uh... And what did happen to 25? I remember, but would you like to remind the nation? Uh, no, because I, d- I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember it. No. I'm pretty sure, is that not the one that you were so sleepy in that you ended up deleting one day later oh, after because you regretted how sleepy you I were? I mean, there was, there, the thing is, there have been, I would say, a couple of episodes which stick out, one of which was I did an all-nighter. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe you listened back and thought, this is unlistenable. And deleted. Yes. I, I'm going to get into my fuller review of uh, the Star Wars prequel trilogy later, but let me just say, episode one of Star Wars, rather than the podcast, is a litany of exposition, bad acting, worse dialogue, <laughs> and Jar Jar Binks, what, I, I could honestly fill several minutes he's of rant he's the key to the story with the character that is Jar Jar Binks who thank goodness yeah. was reduced to maybe three lines in episode two which is a very very mild improvement but again just plagued yeah. by baffling plot decisions by the fact that Anakin Skywalker finds his mother after ten years in some sort of prisoner camp, and 45 seconds after rescuing her, she dies. Yeah. It is one of the most... It it made me laugh because it was so head-scratchingly bad... And the Everything fact, is contrived and convenient. Oh, it, it was just... And the thing is, episode two is, I love it. is minorly better than episode one. Would I watch either one of them again? Absolutely not. And I can see, even with my surface-level knowledge of Star Wars characters, yeah. what they're attempting to do in terms of shoehorning in mm-hmm. other characters or characters' dads or characters' relations mm-hmm. to widen the story. It's like, Mar- it's like the Marvel Universe with their TV shows on top of the movies, except done slightly worse and also it's incredibly unfunny yeah, uh, but yeah but i'll they... save my full review for once i've watched episode three all right yeah i think the big mistake is that they tried to make a uh a, a kid's a kid's film out of star wars and politics <laughs> yeah and liam neeson so they took a thing that wasn't a kid's film and then made a kid's film out of it but were like it needs more politics for the children um, but I, I like I'm because I saw them when I was a kid, and because Jar Jar, when you're a kid, is the best, the standout character. Yeah, I've got such a such a soft spot for all of these films. I I love elements of them it's to this day. Um, so, I mean, some of the CGI, it, it's a shame. Some of the CGI, considering the time that this was released, it's very impressive. Yeah, and some of the overarching story, considering how bad most of the film is, is impressive. There are elements that are genuinely really good, and. <laughs> It's a reason that spin-off shows like The Clone Wars and stuff like that are so beloved is because they executed on those stories okay. very well. Well, if you wouldn't, if you would like to hear some more in-depth thoughts when we've got more time, then stick around for the next 250 episodes of Seesaw Parade. Yes. I'm sure there are many more reviews and nonsense to come, but thank you, genuinely thank you to everyone who has listened to the show one time and never came back, or constantly, again and again. Yeah. Really do appreciate it. We, I mean, I certainly love doing the show, and uh, it's great fun. It's so good. Uh, just chatting about things and feeling like... I'm contributing even if it is just to a couple of people out there so thank you no no thank you everybody as Colin said for even even one one listen even like 10 minutes of an episode it is a huge deal to give somebody else any of your time so all the time that you're giving us listening to us talk about stuff 
is absolutely very significant. And on that note, James, we have way overshot our time, as usual, as tends to be the norm these days, but that's totally fine. But we didn't hit 150 minutes for 150 <laughs> episodes. Well, no, indeed, and it would be 250 minutes. Come on, keep up. Sorry, I meant two, but I said ah. That's my bad. I, I, I haven't learned math over the last 250 episodes. I almost did it again. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you for episode 251 next week wow when will season two begin oh to be continued that's your cliffhanger everyone (laughs) bye bye